As I said at the beginning, we're going to look at these first 13 verses of Romans chapter 15. I would invite you to open your Bible or the Pew Bible to that chapter. We're really going to walk through all 13 of these verses. Um, when Nick first gave me this assignment, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. There's so much in here. And then I thought, well, we really need to deal with all of it, to look at all of it, because it really is um, kind of a unit. And it's summed up in that last verse, verse 13, uh, which you've already heard twice, once in the absolution after the confession, and once when Beth read. If you're a visitor here, or if uh, as a member, you don't have your own Bible, uh, you can take the Pew Bible. It can become yours. Uh, one of the things I encourage people, and I know a lot of older people kind of react, you know, but write in your Bible, mark it up, uh, put things in the notes. Uh, I have this old Bible that I carry with me. This is my preaching Bible. And my wife keeps saying, you really need to get a new Bible. But this has so many notes and arrows and underlinings in it that I just, I can't give it up. So do that today. Verse 13 again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. On the basis of these words of Scripture and in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters in faith, I think all of us, as we grow, maybe throughout our lives, have heroes, People that we look up to, people that we use as an example for our behavior, someone that we want to emulate in our lives. Early in my life, I had a teacher in a little Lutheran school in northern Illinois who I think really formed my whole life. I'm almost convinced that he was the primary reason I became a teacher. He was physically handicapped, and yet that didn't hold him back one iota from doing everything we kids do. And he had a convertible. <laughs> Who's your hero? Is it a parent, maybe like me, a teacher? Maybe it's a sports figure. Maybe it's even a superhero. And none of that is bad. It's good to have those people that we can look up to. In our text, what Paul is doing, at least in the first 12 verses, is saying the example that you need to follow is Jesus Christ. 
He's the one you need to look up to, to emulate. If you look at verses 3 and 5 and 7, you'll see he says that each time that he's going to talk about how we can follow Jesus' example. So he mentions him three times in there. And he takes his own advice. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. The story is told of an, a man in India who was converted to Christianity and became such a biblical scholar and catechist that he was ordained as a pastor in the Indian church. Sadly, after serving for several years, he found himself embroiled in a scandal, nothing major, but because of it, he was dismissed from the church. Feeling the burden of his guilt and being so ashamed and knowing that he would never again be allowed to preach the gospel, he left his community and went to a remote part of India where he settled down took up the trade of being a potter, and there he died. Some years later, the church in India decided they should send a missionary to that remote area. And when the missionary arrived, he began very innocuously by simply telling stories about Jesus. He was taken aback when the people started to react. And the reaction was, oh, we know the man you're talking about. He lived here for many years. The missionary, startled, responded, oh, well, no, no, it couldn't have been. Uh, the, the person I'm telling you about is Jesus Christ. Well, said one of the villagers, he never told us what his name was, but the man you're describing was most definitely our potter. One of my favorite things to say to people is, be Jesus to someone else. How do we do that? Well, Paul gives us three ways. In the first four verses, of chapter 15, he says, bear with the weak. Now certainly, our prayers, our behaviors, the things we do, our actions should be caring for those who are sick, for those who are underprivileged, for those who are uh, suffering in any way. But I think here what Paul is talking about in light of the rest of what he says, I think he's talking about those who are weak in the faith. Either because they are new to the faith or those who even after being in the faith a long time have some doubts 
some fears. What he's asking us to do is be Jesus to them. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who were lost. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve. How do we do that? Sometimes it's as easy as just listening to someone, letting them vent to you. Sometimes it's as easy as putting your arms around them and giving them a hug so that they know that they're loved and they're cared for despite their doubts and their fears. Sometimes it, yeah, it's setting an example for them of regular worship, of regular Bible study. Bolstering them, encouraging them. Maybe it's that welcome you give them every Sunday morning when you see them in church that keeps them coming back. Be Jesus to them. Bear with the weak. In the next couple of verses, he talks about living in a spirit of unity. Paul was concerned about divisions in the church in Rome and in Corinth. It's so easy, you know, when we're all very different people to always be together. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where he talks about the church as the body of Christ. You probably know that section where he talks about, you know, the eye can't say to the hand because you're not an eye, you're not part of the body. I mean, some of it actually sounds kind of silly, And yet, every one of us is different. Every one of us has been gifted by God with different talents and abilities. And the body needs to work together. He talks in that chapter 12 about how if if your foot hurts, the whole body hurts. You know, you, you suffer together. And he also talks about how we rejoice together. And so... Doing this in a spirit of unity, Jesus brought all people together. And the third suggestion he gives is very similar to that. Accept one another. You might say, well, if we're living in a spirit of unity, we're doing that. Well, here he's really focused on accepting those who are different than we are. That's why he quotes from the scripture quite often. He's talking about here in the Old Testament, it talked about receiving the Gentiles and being one with those people who were so different than you. So Jew and Gentile. Sadly, I know of several churches in the Chicago area that closed because the people refused or just couldn't reach out to the neighborhood in which the church was located. A church that was, or neighborhood, I mean, that was changed or changing. And rather than reach out, they let the church die. Accept one another. That person who is different than you. Reach out to them. 
accept them as your own. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul says, you want to be like Jesus. You want to follow Jesus. Bear with the weak, live in unity with one another, and accept each other. Difference though there may be. But he doesn't just leave us there. He tells us how to do this. In in verse 4, he says, be in the word. Do you see what it says there? All scripture is given for our instruction to teach us. Be in the word every day. We need to open this book and see what God has to say for us. My wife and I have um, a habit of looking, now we do it on my cell phone, but we look at a verse of the day. I was stunned because today's verse was Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Be in the word. That was God saying to me, you're preaching on the right thing today, buddy. (laughs) Be in the word. You know this guy, Johnny Appleseed. John Chapman lived in the late late 1700s to the early 1800s. We know that he went around and planted uh, orchards of apples. As I was researching, I was a little surprised to read that these apples were not for eating, they were for drinking. Apple cider was one of the main, because they didn't know if they had fresh water in the early times of the United States. So they had their apple cider. That's what he was doing. But notice this picture that Nick found for me. He's carrying a Bible. A lot of us don't know that. We know about him planting apples. We don't know that he was a Bible scholar. And as he traveled around, he often stayed with some of the new settlers in the area where he had been planting trees. And as he spent a couple days with the family, he would listen to their problems, their pains, their heartaches and hardships. And the morning he left, he would rip out a page of his Bible that had some verses that were pertinent to that family's needs and leave them, leave that page for the family. To be in the Word, to study God's Word, to always keep it in our life, to start if you don't do that, it's on, the cell, on your cell phone. You can find the Bible app and get a verse of the day. Start your day. You'll be amazed at how many times that verse hits home, speaks to exactly where you are and what's going on that day. Be in the Word. Secondly, he says, don't just read the Word, Paul says, Apply it to your life. And so he quotes the scripture to show his readers how the word applies to exactly what he's talking about. Apply it to your life. Walk the talk. 
It's not enough just to be able to quote verses from the Bible, but to live that out. One of the startling things, and I probably have told you this, but I'm old and I can repeat, and besides that, it's been a while. (laughs) One of the main reasons people don't join a church is because there are too many hypocrites there. That's what I was told before I became a pastor, and I thought, oh, that's silly. Nobody says that. Yeah, they do. And so when I was told that, I would say to people, what do you mean by that? And their answer was always, well, our neighbors go to church every Sunday. You can't tell. They live the same way. They talk the same way. They behave the same way as everybody else. So what's the point? So we've got to live as God's children. Live as his children. One of the greatest witnesses we can give is to hold on, to praise the Lord, even in the midst of the troubles and trials of life. I always think of Job. Job chapter 1, you know, we read about everything is taken away from Job, even his children. And I'm always startled to read the last verse as many times as I've read it, the last verses of that chapter. And Job fell down on his face and worshipped the Lord. Wow. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Read the word. Be in the word every day and apply it in your life. Then he comes back to the same thing. To do it together. Oh, I went, I skipped this verse. We should look at this too. This is Jesus saying to his disciples after he washes their feet, if I, your Lord and Master, can wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Yeah. That's following Jesus' example. Humbling ourselves, serving others, doing what we can for them. Again, being Jesus to them. But then back to this, act together. Sometimes you watch a sporting event on television and you see that half of the stadium is filled with people in the same colored outfits. Of course, the team colors. If you looked closely, you would see people of every different make and model that, they may, that there is. People are very different. They look different. Different sizes, shapes, colors, all those things. They come from different socioeconomic backgrounds. They come from different ethnic identities. And yet, they're all wearing the same color. And when the cheers go up, they're all in unison. I've often likened what we're doing here this morning as the Christian's pep rally. Here we are together. Maybe we ought to all wear the same t-shirts. 
We're here together to build each other up, to strengthen each other. Oh, we're different. Oh, we don't always agree. There are differences of opinion and differences of ideas. That's very evident in Trinity. You've got four different sites. Things go on differently in each site. But we can all act together because we are all part of the body of Christ. But you see, I've been talking about what we can do. You see, none of this happens without God. And so he ties all of this together at the end. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. He uses that word hope twice. Don't misunderstand. That's not wishful thinking. This is sure and certain thinking. This is looking forward, knowing that God keeps all of his promises. This is looking upward, seeing Jesus, seeing what he has done for us, how he has died for us on a cross, and then rose again and ascended into heaven. We can see him go. But he promised, I will be with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Or Romans chapter 8. All things work together for the good of those who love God. God is there. God is here. God is with you. He is the source of our strength. He works through that word. He works through us as we reach out to one another, as we live with one another, as we attempt to be Jesus to others. He's with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've had some heavy rainy days this year. The rain pours down. It drenches the earth. It even fills some of our rivers and streams so that they overflow. That's what God does for us. He pours down his joy and his peace. He pours down his Holy Spirit who works faith in our hearts and allows us to have this sure and certain trust and hope. He drenches us with his blessings. Our cups run over. Yeah so that we overflow, overflow with these blessings to those around us. Being Jesus to others. In his name, amen.